for the Zone of Truth's Sweet 16, the entire gang joins Griff and me in studio to discuss the party's foolhardy attempt at clearing Vorkstag and Grind Chemical Works. We do a party emotional check-in and answer some new listener questions. I'm your host, Steve. In studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin, roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. It's a sweet 16. It's a sweet 16. It's late at night. It's a Friday. We're ready to start the weekend off. All right. Am I am I correct, Griffin? You are correct. If you could spit that out better next time. I'm just so excited. I, I, can't, I can't get over myself. You're just jittery with emotion. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's not often that we have uh, the opportunity to kick the weekend off the right way. We got some new soundproofing in the room. Yeah, That's the exciting. room is entirely soundproofed. We got our bass traps. We got... Foam all over the walls. I don't think we installed it very professionally, but no. that's okay. No, we didn't. If foam starts falling off the walls, guess what? That's just a part of life. That's the cost of doing business on the zone of truth. And we were talking before we kicked this episode off. And if foam falls off the ceiling and, and hits somebody in the head, we're leaving it in the episode. Oh, you have to leave it in. So now they have to listen all the way through. Because yeah, who knows content. what will happen? It's the zone of truth, baby. Things get wild. Don't you know it. That's true. Speaking of wild. I knew it. What the fuck is going on with your hat there, buddy? <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm wearing a hat that my good friend Haley picked up at Gen Con. She, I, was, uh, I was away recording the Jason Zone of Truth with uh, Griff back at the Airbnb. She says, I found a hat. It's great. I think, you, I, think I, sh- I should get it for you. And I was like, what does it say on it? She's like, it's a giant hat that looks like the galaxy. It's a flat brim and says hentai and giant shiny word letters across it. And I was like, no price is too high. <laughs> <laughs> you need no, to get that. No price is too high. So now I have a flat brim that says hentai on it. I'm honestly just really mad that I didn't get one for myself. <laughs> I know. I wore it a lot that day to protect it and make sure it got back to you. Yep. And now I just regret not having one. I got so many compliments on it. Since the surprise is ruined, and we already know who's on. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, bud? So I'm dr- I'm finishing off a hams, and then I'm going to drink one of the very last pulpit rock beers that we have from our good buddy Jason from aforementioned Zone of Truth. This is the Coffee Kolsch. I'll crack that open later. I'm not into it right now. I got to finish off this hams. You know how I am. Dude, be careful opening that. I know. I know I'm going to spill it everywhere. Every one of the Pulpit Rock beers that he's given us that I've drank on air has gone everywhere. I probably have more dried uh, Pulpit Rock beer in my keyboard and in old pairs of shorts that I've worn than uh, made it into my bloodstream. Those are some oddly specific places for dried (laughs) stuff to be. I'm I'm just telling you. Um, What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Bell's Official, and then I'm cracking into the same thing as you. I'm having one of those... uh, Coffee biscotti colches. Hmm. You know, two two hearts beating as one. <laughs> but what the people at home have probably figured out by now is there are five hearts around this table beating as one. Hey guys, welcome to the Zone of Truth. 
Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure all of our listeners could see me roll my eyes that hard. Brooks, you don't have to be here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we can do this with Haley and Emily. That's fine. Beating is one. That's fine. Sappy. Beating as strongly as one. Sappy <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, guys. What's everyone drinking Hello. tonight? Brooks, let's go ahead and start with you. you you're, uh, you're chopping at the bit here. Oh, yeah, for sure. I am drinking a Sagatuck Brewing Company Blueberry Maple Stout. It's fantastic. Ooh, I had the chance to try that when we played Return. It's really good. It's It was totally random, saw it in the store, thought it looked crazy, and it tastes amazing, which is a happy surprise. It delivers on every flavor it says that is in it. Yeah, including the stout part. Fantastic. Well, I was just surprised that you could taste like the maple and blueberry so clearly. Mm-hmm. It's very tasty. Haley, welcome aboard. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a beer. What? I know, right? Oh, my God. I'm drinking a beer from Glutenberg. It's a Glutenberg one. From Glutenberg, it's gluten free, and they called themselves Glutenberg. <laughs> yeah, this beer company—they make like a couple things. In fact, I had a gluten free stout, uh, a gluten free pale ale from them that tasted like kind of like an IPA. And then there's this one, which promises to have uh, coriander and orange peel. So we'll see. Nice. Let's see. Take a sip. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that I taste much of anything besides beer taste all right so that sounds like a solid two or three out of ten to me sounds good no it's not that it's because i'm not used to beer anymore uh that makes that does make a lot of sense though but a company that calls themselves glutenberg and they make a gluten-free beer is pretty funny yeah yeah no i love i love the name um every time i see their beers i do try to buy one because i like them nice well, wonderful. I'm glad to hear you're enjoying that two or three out of ten beer. I'm just playing. I'm sure it's great. Um, but I'm seeing something across the table from me that has me relatively disappointed. Emily, care to explain yourself? I am starting this weekend off right with a natter day. Oh, it's natter day somewhere. Boo. Always. Oh, you know you like it. <sighs> no, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Griff, back me up on this. Yeah, the natter days aren't great. Thank you. All right. Well, let's just get started. Guys, we got a lot to talk about today. It has, it's been a long time since we've had any of you, let alone all three of you on the show again. So this is great. Thanks for joining us on this late Friday night. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and start things off right. We're going to listen to a sound set from Sirenscape. This is coming off of the Flooded Cavern. This is Music in Massive Spaces. <laughs> music in Massive Spaces. In this... And it starts without music. It'll get there. Anyway, so a little bit of background here. Griffin and I were texting back and forth earlier this week, trying to figure out what we wanted to do for this zone of truth. And I think it was Griffin that had this idea to get the whole crew back together. Um, and really the idea was we've been enjoying the podcast so far, right? But the last five or six episodes really have been rather punishing. Honestly, it feels like we've been doing an intense dungeon crawl without the dungeon. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
it's been difficult and tough and we've been running it real ragged. Yeah. And I think I really want to actually talk about these episodes on the zone of truth because lately, and I've loved it, but we've been having a bunch of awesome guests on and we haven't been talking about the episodes. And I think we really need to talk about the entirety of the Kimmick works because, oh boy, there have been a couple of tense episodes. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Now we're taking a step back in time here for our listeners, but I promise we'll work towards the present. The first episode I want to talk about is episode 53. This one was called Doggy Day Scare. So um, I'm just going to throw this out to anybody. Does anybody remember specifically what happened at Doggy Day Scare? So this is when we showed up at Vorkstag and Grinds and had our very first combat. Anything stand out from this episode that really you know, was memorable to you guys. Well, we talked to him and we didn't make him happy. And so we walked around the perimeter and decided the front door was the best, the best place to get in. Right. When we had what the listeners might've picked up on as options, (laughs) (laughs) go over the fence, go through the chimney, any of those get more creative, but we went straight for the front door. What I think was really interesting about this one was combat kind of broke out. You went through the front door, you triggered an alarm, and you were given the option once again by the people you were fighting to just leave. They had control of the beast hound, and they were like, just go. <laughs> we, we have him. And he decided not to. So I want to throw this question out to the rest of the players around this table. Sometimes it gets a little difficult in combat to like coordinate a retreat or coordinate strategy. What? Why did we keep attacking? What was the thought here? So I can go through my process, which was Ikmer attacked and Eclipse was going to just help. And Ikmer kept attacking, so Eclipse kept saying, but I also felt as though Ikmer might have been attacking because Eclipse was. So you guys kind of, it got reciprocal a little bit, right? I think at least between Ikmer and Eclipse. And and you keep saying Ikmer and Eclipse, you don't say Brooks and Haley. Is this a player choice or a character choice? I think Ikmer was choosing to fight. (laughs) Yes, yes, 100%. I I can back that up and with us just blowing up the door and as a player he's thinking oh okay he's got a few shots at the dog while it's being held back he can do a little damage before it does actual damage and and brooks until this very most recent episode ikmer was lawful good But when he heard from the people inside that I don't know how long I can hold the dog, we kept attacking. Why would a lawful good creature like Ikmer continue to press that advantage, press that fight? Well, we did break in and I guess blow up the, the lock in our faces. He, if I can remember correctly, was deafened for a bit. Uh, very scared, for sure. So, this was one of the, uh, what, what seemed to be becoming more and more frequent combats where 
Matumbe is nearly useless. Yep. How'd that make you feel, just not being one of the two frontliners in the front? I, I, I think we addressed it a little bit on the Matumbe slash Saw slash me zone of truth that this isn't an optimized character, which I guess is a little frustrating, but... I mean, anybody playing Pathfinder is going to get into this situation where your character, you know, might be well cut out for the situation that's put in front of them, but tactically just isn't in a good spot. And you hear it in virtually every episode that we're going to talk about today. You know, Matumbe didn't sleep the night before, has no bane, has came into episode 53 with probably half his spells and probably half his hit points. If I remember correctly, he's just in a terrible spot and it, it is frustrating. Like, I mean, how long can I look at my hero lab sheet and pray to see something on there that's going to save people or be effective and just not find anything. It sucks, but that's, but that is part of the game. Like it's everything is, is an economy. Everything is a finite resource. And when those finite resources are used up, you got to get creative. Unfortunately, I don't have the tools to do that. Yeah, you definitely don't. I don't. (laughs) Well, that, that episode was mainly the combat with the dog until I left you guys on the cliffhanger of Vorkstag coming out of the chemic works and throwing a bomb at you, throwing a bomb at these people who have been attacking his dog, have trespassed on his property, have killed his workers. Um, He lobs a bomb at you guys. And that's where we cut it off. And I think the, the writing in between the lines here was that that bomb was coming straight for eclipse. Who was in a bad spot. You had a weak, to sit on that one, Haley. We were coming into that episode, and what were you thinking? Well, I don't know. I guess, like, you you want to say, yeah, let's build a backup character, but honestly, no. I looked at that and then kind of joked about it, but realistically, I, I thought I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that sounds bad, but like... I don't know. I guess I thought maybe I'd just make it out somehow. And I did. So you you have a little bit of experience playing an alchemist. Did you do the math and feel, all right, maybe this alchemist can't put me down in one hit or what? Oh, I spent a lot of time doing the math because (laughs) um, that is what made me... Because I'm a realist. So I did the math and I thought to myself, man, they'd probably have to get max to actually kill me. Anything else will just put me under because I have such a high con score. And Griffin, were you ready to kill a player right then? I was hoping I would, but I also knew that a level 4 alchemist does not do enough damage to put down 17 HP. Fortunately, he had way more bombs, and I figured the longer that fight went on, the worse off you guys were going to be. It wasted... A ton of your resources. You were almost completely drained after that fight. And this fight was a huge war of attrition. We went inside the chemical works. We went back outside. We tried closing doors. Um, We were basically spending everything we could to take this guy down. And I know specifically we've had we had some pretty big challenges in this fight. 
I, I know Eclipse kept going down and Lyra kept propping her back up. What was Lyra's mind frame across this encounter? Lyra also went into this battle not at full power. She had used up some of her spells and we were all looking pretty ragged. But we do function best as a team and Lyra was wanting to keep us all fighting to give us the most chances for hitting things. Eclipse does a ton of damage. So if she goes down and if Lyra's the only one left, she's not going to be able to do much on her own. So she was really trying to just prop up the damage dealers and hopefully kill Vorkstag a little bit quicker. Yeah, and I think... Whether you meant to or not, that was a good strategy because unfortunately when you're fighting an alchemist, even if he's not aiming for your unconscious ally, the splash damage is going to keep knocking them further and further down. And so it's very easy to lose somebody that you think, okay, they're stable on the ground very quickly when you're throwing bombs and you're, I mean, unconscious, it's almost impossible to avoid the full splash damage. So... Even though Eclipse kept getting knocked down, if you hadn't brought her back up, it likely would have been a situation where, okay, she went from negative three to negative eight to, you know, kept ticking down until it was donezo. Which is a tough spot to be in where you have to keep stabilizing and pumping in healing points to a person you know who or you can relatively tell is going to go down again and again and again, which normally isn't that huge of a problem until you factor in corruptions. And now we have an eclipse who's at four out of five on the corruption track at the end of this episode. Crazy. Yep. Still sitting there. Very concerned about that. So what happens at five? At five, I am required to make a will save uh, DC 17 will save. Uh, if I fail, then the Lopper takes over until sunrise. If I pass, then one point of corruption goes down, so I'll be back down at four. Then it gets harder. Okay. So if she passes, it goes back down to four, and then I knock her unconscious again, the DC is now 18, and so on and so on. If but- I'm, I'm sorry, just to clarify, if the, if, the, if the Lopper takes over for a day, does that knock her to second level corruption? You're at one. You're at corruption level one, correct? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm currently at corruption stage one. Um, so if I do fail, then I... Um, my... I'll, I'll be taken over by the Lopper, right, until sunrise. But if I... Uh, succeed, then I'll go back down to four, and I know Griff said DC increases by one, it actually increases by two, so I'll go from a 17 to a 19, so it just gets really, really more difficult there, um, and my influence can will not, not drop below four until sunrise, at which point it'll finally hit one again, but if I fail, I the corruption also progresses to the next stage, so I would be corrupts in stage two, Meaning that my alignment would change to match my spirit, but it already is. And I have lapses of control and personality regardless of any sort of points of influence. Oof. Ooh, boy. Yeah, so you basically have, what? Slate evening? 
like eight hours left with Eclipse. Yeah, and I'm guaranteed to hit five. Guaranteed. And I am guaranteed to hit five because sometime during the night I will hit fatigued before sunrise actually occurs because I won't get my hours of sleep because we have to watch the beast. So I will hit five before sunrise happens. I've, I've already accepted this. You know what? This. I didn't think about that, but you're totally right. Yeah, uh, we're supposed yeah. to stay up all night long. And I've that's ex- part of it. I, I've accepted it. I know that's going to happen. And I am been testing all of my dice to see which one rolls the best. Um, we'll see. I've had a lot of dice jail lately, and that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. So this is not only bad for you. It's bad for the entire party. Um, it's been developing over a little bit of time however also bad for the party imagine the lopper down in the basement of the prison with you guys stuck and the beast if i fail that's realistically what you get yeah 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 it <laughs> might die sucks the rest of us are gonna die what's that is that the lopper uh, the lopper's here, here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What did you think oh. of um, the the Lopper flashbacks? Those happened in these episodes. I loved them. Um, I knew something like this was, uh, like some of those flashbacks were going to happen because Griffin and I talked about it. I wanted to, I feel like it's really important that the spirit's not just, oh, possessing me just because I'm open connection. I, I like that there's something more to it. It's not just because Eclipse is more familiar with spirits, like there's a real reason why this particular spirit would want to stay. I'm particularly excited because so far we've heard two of them, and they're they seem to be relative. I have nothing to do with these, but they seem to be relatively structured as a part one, part two, part three, where the lopper meets the family, the lopper converses with the family, and is leading into a story. And there's going to be a story coming up soon. I don't know when because Griffin's the GM and does what he wants. Um, but the last one ended with a open-ended, tell me the story of this Yang and his story. Right? Yep. So there's something coming that I think is going to be really cool. I don't know what it is, but I'm really excited for it. You just have to wait to find out. We just have to wait to find out. Now, also, this this episode you know, might have had some pretty dire consequences for our lying friend over here. However, there's something else that happened during this episode that probably didn't get the discussion that it deserved. We didn't fucking talk about we it. We didn't fucking talk Which about it. Which is rude. And I'm looking in the show notes <laughs> right now, and I I look right now under episode 54, Alchemical Warfare, the Vorkstag fight. There's a question that you put in the show notes. Griffin, you got a question. Yeah, I got a fucking question. Um, Nobody talked about Igmer's starting to grow teeth and claws. And the very yellow eyes. Yeah. I I think I think Emily should go ahead. From the outside character perspective, I kind of saw it as there's a lot of stuff going on in all these combats. Igmer's slowly been displaying a few little flashes of these, like the yellow eyes growing a little bit more facial hair. And this was definitely a larger shift, but it was in the heat of combat. Eclipse was down and out already. We finally killed everyone that was attacking us. I feel like we just didn't have 
the time. We've been under such a big time crunch that like Lyra's first priority was making sure Eclipse was still alive and could be revived. And then we had this weird dead body that looks like it's maybe wearing a skin suit. Like Ikmer is still acting like Ikmer. So that can kind of get pushed off until things calm down a little bit more and we get out of the chemworks. And to and to put this in perspective, not only do we have the overall, the we only have X amount of hours in a day time crunch, we have the very specific, we think someone may have gone to go get the authorities time crunch and there's nothing we've done so far that paints us in a good light here. So I, I, I think this is a very, very valid call out from you, Emily, that uh, this is a huge, not, I mean, not a, not a small, a huge character moment for Ikmer. But unfortunately, because there's a smaller clock ticking within this larger clock, this is something that we need to compartmentalize and deal with it when we have time to deal with it, right? Yeah, I feel like it's one of those times where you're rushing, you're rushing, you're rushing to get something done. Uh, I don't know. It reminds me of like a time in college where I was rushing to get a specific paper done that um, at the time, another one of my papers that was up, like I lost half of it because it didn't save. And I honestly was so focused on getting this other one done. I was in such a time crunch that the reality of like what had just happened to my other assignment didn't sink in until after I was able to like sit down and breathe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the same type of thing. I agree 100%. the man of the hour, though, Brooks, did you see this coming? Is this something you and Griffin planned out? Um, I think I definitely mentioned that I wanted a little bit to for him to get flushed out a little bit more. I definitely had mentioned that. Uh, this is this happened because of you, by the yeah. way, because the moment when you said unprompted and unrun by me, when you said that. Ikmer remembers a time in the fighting pit when he went too far and he like didn't stop and he didn't hold back and that's when I was like perfect yes I remember that now and I'm so glad I did that I'm so glad I did that and I'm so glad you're so creative to be able to put that in so perfectly so yeah I guess from my perspective was I expecting it to go here? No. Uh, did I want it to want his story to be more developed? Yes. Um, but as far as these episodes and how it's not been talked about, Ikmer definitely. I mean, he he sees all of the characters as such good friends. I see him talking about it afterwards. But in the heat of things, it's what Emily and Haley have said is that uh, there were a lot of other things going on. Why talk about something so small at the moment? Yeah. I mean, you can't really talk about it with your mouth full, right? So you were biting limbs off of those. uh, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Those mongrel men. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm very excited to see where it goes and, uh, yeah, as far as it not being talked about, I think it's just got to you, you just got to be patient. We we definitely all think about it still. Yeah, I think behind the screens Ikmer is one of my favorite characters to GM for in a much different way than the rest of your characters because 
almost everything I do for the other three is very planned out, very planful and thoughtful. And I usually run it by you, but Brooks and I have this kind of unwritten agreement where he allows me to kind of take Ikmer in a way in the heat of the moment. This was a game time decision that I decided to throw out there because of what Brooks said Ikmer was going through in the moment. And I feel like that happens a lot of times with Ikmer in particular is that I'm, I'm kind of pulling out, like I know where I want his story to go. I know where Brooks wants his story to go, but we don't really do the, Hey, let's plan a flashback. Hey, let's do this. It's more like, Hey, in the moment, this would be really great if this happened. I'm just going to do it and trust that Brooks is going to be okay with it. Absolutely. You guys are beautiful together. Um, there are three more episodes that I want to talk about before we move on from this one. I just want to throw out there that, uh, after my brother listened to this episode, he sent me a highlight reel of Shaquille O'Neal, just, uh, dunking basketball so hard for five minutes that he broke backboards in the NBA. Well, this was the Shaq attack. Yeah. This is the Shaq attack (laughs) episode where there's like, he just absolutely murders three or four people and it's fucking great. And then, uh, I don't become relevant for several more episodes. So So we could just skip over. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, but that said, we ended that fight with Vorkstag down and then we move into the alchemical works here. We start exploring, we see some vats, and some folks notice that something on the ceiling doesn't seem quite right. This is episode 55, and then there was one. Particularly, this is the fight against Grine, the other one of the people on the sign for this place, Vorkstag and Grine. This is a very different fight. Vorkstag was an alchemist. This guy was a what, Griffin? He was mainly a cleric with a one-level dip in rogue. Paizo likes to put these rogue dips in their NPCs. I don't agree with it, mainly because they take it too far in a couple of levels. So usually when this happens, I will back off of the rogue levels, leave the one level dip for the sneak attack, and then fully level them in the other class, which is what I did here. Um, But Cleric of Norgorber, I think, and was also a dark creeper, which you don't realize in this episode, but he, he disguises himself as a gnome. And so I want to kick this episode off here with a question here. Haley, do you have a new favorite spell? Because you use it several times this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mean all the chains I've got around my neck? I'm, I may be referencing your wallet chain. <laughs> <laughs> I've got chains everywhere. Two chains. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, two that chains was, per round. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually really clever, Steve. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that, Brooks. I love you too. Yeah, I mean, it was a spell that I honestly I was starting to think the other day uh, before this episode had aired. I was thinking, man. I don't know, that spell doesn't get a whole lot of use. I made a mistake, I think, and then I didn't. <laughs> well, that was an amazing nice. an amazing question that I hadn't even thought of. It stopped when our I, episode dead. Yeah, can we, you trip oh, yeah. someone on the ceiling? Can you trip Fuck. someone on the ceiling with spider climb? I was like, 
Fuck, I didn't I didn't prep the spell that way. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that you were gonna trip him on the goddamn ceiling. But yeah. And this yes, it works. Yeah, I like to keep you on your toes in a different way. Brooks likes to keep you on your toes with uh, some backstory stuff. I like to keep you on your toes with weird mechanics. Always love that in the midst of a recording. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks keeps me on my toes in a way that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, all of this. Yeah, all of that. That whole combat. I mean, you as Matumbe weren't yep. exactly able to get up there wouldn't have had a way really Ikmer ran up there with this potion Lyra could at least halfway partially fire up there except for that cover I was gonna crit yeah that hurts that hurts having two human party members and darkness cast on the on the enemy because you know I'm, half the party can see I missed three times because of that concealment I with a 20 fucking percent concealment and I I mean that any of those hits would have been encounter enders like it would have been done oh yeah but mm-hmm. I couldn't do it honestly like Brooks me and you were almost worthless in this encounter like you ran up the ceiling you ran down and then you fell on your ass <laughs> well, it really sucked for Ikmer because yeah. he made it up to he was ready to go he made it yeah. up to grind and he would have been able to I don't know Get up in his face, stop him from throwing axes at people, can see in darkness, can be up there, and then, not that this was a bad tactical decision, but tripped into the vat of acid, and so, you know, now you're 60 feet away again. Tripped into the vat of acid. Top 10 cinematic moments in this podcast. Oh, no, it was That's great. fucking hilarious. It was actually, amazing. I actually thought about this. If he did not have Spider Climb cast on him... Like, if he hadn't drank a potion of spider climb, that would have ended the encounter. Yeah, because he would have been stuck in the acid. Because he has a climb speed, and the walls of the vats are smooth, and they're a DC 30 climb check. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, He he wouldn't have been able to make it out. It's not like he's a strength-based character. He wouldn't have made it out of that, and that's 3D6 per round of acid damage that you're in the acid. And that's what I was thinking, is that acid is going to do more damage than I can right now. (laughs) So. Yeah. Emily. Do you want to know what the bleach would have done? Oh. Yeah, actually, I think, yeah. We knew, I think we know. You, you, you said I don't afterwards. know if I've ever said it on air. Not on, not air, on air. Not on air. Yeah, the bleach was still a D6 of damage, but uh, it's also a fortitude save or become blind for, geez, I think it was a D6 rounds or something similar. I regret my decision then when he was on top of the bleach vat, not tripping him. It's okay, though. It's it's mutual. I, I I listened back a few weeks ago and distinctly remember hearing myself be like, just fucking kill him. Like two hits with the chain, just knock him out. Like when you should be tripping. Like that would have been fucking awesome. Just to put him in the vat that has the. I mean, even if it wasn't the bleach, just the acid that does a mm-hmm. ton of damage. But uh, through a lot of that encounter, I thought we had him on the edge, and we kind of didn't. Emily, you've been a little quiet over there. What do you think about this encounter? I have two thoughts about this encounter. Okay. So first of all, just like getting inside and getting through all those combat. In the back of Lyra's mind, she's just kind of thinking, I really hope these guys are as guilty as we thought because we might be the bad guys here. Are we the baddies? Oh, yeah. I think that's an insanely fair point. I mean, the Nightmare are, are good. Yeah. Good characters. So keep me going here. What's going on? So we had enough evidence to 
at least interrogate them a little bit. And then I, at least from Lear's perspective, everything just kind of fell apart and it snowballed. And so we got attacked, we attacked back, we killed people, and then we got in too deep. And the only way to get out was to go all the way through. So at this point, Lear was just really hoping she would survive long enough to find enough evidence to prove that to herself and to the town that it was worth it to kill all of these people. Which one of you was the one that said, uh, if we kill everybody, we could we could get the narrative on our oh, side? Oh, you know that was yeah. Emily. Yeah, definitely but, me. But that's coming from Emily, not maybe I from Lyra. Your own. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't coming from Lyra. That was my yeah. own personal what, what's perspective. That ba- what's the Batman quote? You uh, either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a bad guy. Live yourself, live long enough to see that alignment switch. <laughs> you're, you're definitely not the hero's weapon step deserves. Yeah, fuck no. We're the ones it needs right now. Yeah, I'm gonna play the fool on this one, and I. As Ikmer, I playing Ikmer forgot that we probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. And I'm going to say that he was childish and just kind of forgot. Oh, you're going to say that? Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. So we are going to agree on something here. Uh, Brooks, I do agree that you are a fool. Um, but we're going to move right past that. <laughs> uh, okay. Fine. <laughs> so. I'm going to hit fast forward here for a second. So, uh, in no particular order, Matumbe goes down, Lyra goes down, uh, Igmer goes down, Eclipse takes care of the rest of the encounter. I distinctly remember uh, my my GM over here, Griffin, saying, I don't know how you're going to get out of this one. Finish your drinks. We'll see you next week. And now we're at episode 56, Sophie's Choice. So... We start an episode with Eclipse by herself, three unconscious bodies around her, dead grinds. Someone take me through this episode. Well, everyone's looking at me. We should call this episode GM Generosity, lots of potions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely felt that. Uh, We had lots of (laughs) potions, Um, but I... I don't know. So basically, Eclipse has all three party members down. She heals uh, two of them with some potions from Grind's body. Uh, plans to leave the other one. Uh, go up- upstairs and search around. Uh, Ikmer does not follow the plan and decides to heal uh, Matumbe. <laughs> and then, uh, is this where we get into some shit? This is exactly know. where we get into some this shit. This is where. You search Grind's room. Lyra takes a fuck ton of charisma damage, or drain. She takes one drain and a bunch of damage. And then you find the cabinet of skins and faces while the rest of the party is accosted by alchemical zombie monks. It's a really good thing that we pushed to go heal Matumbe when we did, because I think if we would have left him there, the zombies would have just taken him out. Would they, though? Because he was unconscious. What would, like, seriously, that's my, my thought on this is, since when have we ever, I don't know, since when, why would a chemical zombie be like, oh, I see a 
unconscious guy on the floor. Let's make sure he's dead. You know? I see what you're saying, but we've also had instances where our GM has tried to coup de gras characters. Okay. Running gas, which yeah. are... That's literally that's their That's literally nature. in their tactics yeah. to coup de gras. But... But I yeah, I, 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 totally, I don't know what these characters, what these, what these creatures. Healed, I yeah, gonna, I was gonna. I don't take know. You. I don't know what their what their tactics are. So my thought on this though is, I think that uh, even if Matume was on the ground, we would have literally Lyra was already still standing out there. So was Ichmer. If Matume was on the ground and the zombies came out, we would have run into the same thing. Like, oh, I'm looking for this. Gotta like go as. Lyra points her crossbow at them and stuff and then they would have taken Matumbe and we would have been in the same situation just with Matumbe and two more potions. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, but like that's... But we, but we, uh, that's the yeah. thing. It's, it's yeah. just one of these situations that we just have no idea how this would play out. So... No. We haven't, like, that's why I, we don't have any idea. That's why I don't think there is a, a good or bad to using those potions. I'll tell you since it's over. I had a very distinct scene in my head of you approaching the corpse pool and seeing your good buddy Matumbe floating in that pool. Oh. Alive? Face down. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been very sad. That's what I was thinking yeah. until Igmer went to heal him. Although I understand where your tactics are coming from, because it it makes sense the same way. Oh yeah, and I mean, also we didn't even know people were coming, right? So they would have showed up eventually. I think it's the issue is that it would have been much harder to hear them coming if you weren't on the ground and in the room. If you had all been in the other rooms investigating, it might have just been a situation where. We went into Vorkstag's room, and when we came out, Matumbe's body's gone. Yeah. This was a difficult episode for me to play and a difficult episode for me to listen to because there was some really weird stuff going on. The different levels, the the tactics going on, and this overriding everybody rolling consistent perception checks. Like, as players, I... I, I understand the way that like Paizo puts this game together and the way that Griffin, you run this game, but that also puts a little on us that like, Oh, okay. This is not done. Like there's something going on here. I've rolled three perception checks, even though everyone fails. Like there's a reason I'm rolling perception checks. Like something's happening. Like whether, whether or not we want to address that, that's affecting the way that we're playing this game. Yeah. And I think that is something that, I maybe take away as a GM in a scenario like this. Like, I feel like I'm asking you to roll perception checks on your own to give the listeners some context the same way that you're getting that context. There's not really a good way for me to convey to the listeners that, like, hey, I'm behind the screen rolling perception checks for these guys. So they get an idea that, like, it's not done without giving you guys an idea that it's not done. So I feel like in this medium, I kind of, I can't really do the behind the screens thing that I yeah. might like to do in this scenario. I know uh, I get that. But at the same time, even when it's around the table, it doesn't matter about podcasts or anything. It's literally just playing the game. When you roll dice behind the screen, 
we hear that. Yeah, you still know something's <laughs> going on. We know what the hell. We know something's up. <laughs> Although in the in all of these episodes we've talked about, I've rolled multiple times with nothing in mind. Yep. And I've, you can I've, hear it in the recordings. You hear you just hear like die roll randomly. That's me just like rolling something to put you guys on edge. I've I've heard other podcasts who've had a, a show similar to this talk about that how they'll just how their gm will just do that to keep their players on edge i think uh maybe maybe even you know let's consider this alternate reality where those perception checks meant, meant nothing in this episode just to keep us on on edge because then you have a player like eclipse that's you know whether or not Haley you know realizes it she's like fuck it, something's wrong, like, I gotta keep pushing forward, move two, make and die, that's fine. And then you have a player like Ikmer that's like, oh no, even though I don't, even though I'm not hitting the perception check, I know that something's wrong, I need to go protect Matumbe. Something's just triggering them, like, intrinsically down. Yeah, I also think that, uh, I like that you just called both of us out because I am the reason, like, Haley doesn't want to leave Matumbe dead. I don't want Steve's character to die. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but Eclipse right now, she still thinks the cops are coming, and there's yeah, no yeah. fucking way she's about to get... Go- she's She would literally, her and the Lopper would rather kill the body of Eclipse than go to prison. In 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 this episode, I say you do you like several times right. because I want you to do that. That's oh yeah, you're you're one hundred percent right. You should be doing this, and it's it's wonderful. It's, it's so good. And, right. and, and I just want to talk about how that the, these kind of things make us behave in different ways, yeah. even though it's the exact same thing. That's why I think it's so yes. interesting because Ikmer acts so different, yes. and it's great. And I love it, but it's yeah. It, yeah, it's really good character work. I think you both played your characters exactly how your characters would act. I think Eclipse, given the opportunity to leave Matumbe behind, probably would at this point. She's got this voice in her head telling her to, and she's not a good person anymore. And Ikmer, exact opposite. Oh yeah, and you can hear it in our voices. Like we are almost like frustrated with each other playing our characters as different people. Or like I guess as not ourselves. Yeah, you can you can tell where it starts to cross the line between like this is what my character would do and like okay, now I believe this is the right choice as a player because you you both, you know, bring up good points. Hey, this situation would have happened. The situation with Ikmer getting kidnapped would have happened to Matumbe either way. And so we just wasted a bunch of potions. Or, hey, if we didn't save Matumbe, he probably would have ended up floating face down in the corpse pit. Two diverging opinions that are still, I feel like... Neither of them are wrong. Yeah, they're not wrong. And they're just kind of tied to... You form this opinion as you're playing your character, how your character would react to the situation. And so they clash and you almost start to clash as people. You absolutely absolutely hear it when you listen back to episode 56. And while Igmer's trying to explain something, Eclipse interrupts. Well, I guess I'm going to this room by myself. And Igmer's just like, well, yeah, fuck that. I'm going downstairs. Like, I don't care. These these are uh, uh, what this comes down to is that's how these characters would interact with each other, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So in, in those times, yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred percent how Eclipse would react. I think it's probably a hundred percent how Ikmer would. So I'll throw this question to the table. I kidnapped Ikmer at the end of this episode. 
This is the first time as a GM I've ever done that. What did you think of that? Are we rolling into the talk about episode 57 now? Well, I think Let's this is it. kind of the yeah. end of 56, start of 57. 57, oh, Ickmer, where art thou? Let's talk about it. But that was that's completely new to me as a GM, so I'm curious how it was received around the table. I thought it was an interesting dynamic that we... The stakes were pretty high because there was a player character on the line and so we had to work diplomatically enough but hold the cards still in our hands so i thought that was a cool dynamic i think it gave lyra time to shine without her spells yes i also which was appreciate ni- that which was nice in this circumstance because you know you you have a lot of diverging character opinions as we've said before and uh lyra and matumbe are notably relatively silent on these matters. So it's nice to see like Lyra take the lead on a, on a dangerous situation or that kind of thing, because your characters for since doggy day scare have been in the back of the combat and, you know, and Matumbe got up there and fought, but Lyra was kind of like the heel bot for a little while. Yeah, Lear is absolutely instrumental in this last episode. Um, there were a couple times when myself as a human being, I wanted to speak up and say something, but then I was like, uh, we've got we've got somebody who is specializing in all these charisma skills. Like, I we need we need Lear to shine right now and save the day. And and Igmer's back. He survived, but he was he was gone much of an episode. And I and I want to talk a little bit about that. So, Emily, congratulations! You brought you you brought your husband back. <laughs> His character. Yep. His character. Let's be clear about. <laughs> I will say I am I am not pulling punches as a GM at all, but I would have been a little sad to see it go. And. There's still some of book two to go, but I would have been a little sad to see him go before book three. He's so close. It'd be so hard. But as far as this last episode and him not being there as uh, the player or yeah, as the player not being able to do anything, I really liked it. You got the live studio audience a little bit. Well, yeah, (laughs) there's that, but... I was able to to just kind of step back from the whole thing and just put myself there without having to worry about what is my character doing. I think you got to experience the moments that have been giving me the greatest joy these past couple of episodes where, and you'll see me, like I'll just kind of sit back over here because you guys have such a role play dynamic going on that I can just sit back and let you talk for 15 minutes because it's still progressing what we're doing, but it's like, it's like you planning as like normally at a table, I would expect you guys to be talking to each other and planning your moves, but you're planning them as your characters and you're bringing your characters into these, uh, these discussions and your characters are talking as they would and you're kind of morphing your plans based off of how your character would react to the situation and it's really fun and you've just experienced it where you just kind of get to sit back and watch the rest of the group spitball and role play oh yeah yeah and the yeah 
the thing, the small bit of combat that they went through was so, so good. I believe what you mean to say was a fucking disaster. <laughs> except it was for actually dangerous. Except for Lyra's swan dive. A, uh, a plus work. Griff, we recorded that episode last night and I was walking out of your house. I was tying up my shoes and you were cracking a joke and uh, about about this particular episode. What did you say the CR on that creature was? Oh, it's a CR1. All right, cool. It's a CR1, and we fucking fell apart. You guys are so drained. Yeah, it's it's tough. We're we're in a terrible spot. It's so difficult to fight anything here, because nobody's got... Well, nobody besides Eclipse, who's hoarding all of the HP over there, has (laughs) much more than, like, 10 HP, if even that. We're, We're at a point where... I, I have to consciously think whether or not I want to jump down a 10 foot ladder or climb down a 10 foot ladder. Cause I cannot, I literally mathematically cannot afford to jump down a ladder. Yeah. You guys have been through hell in this 24 hours as characters. You've gone through much more than even Paizo will recommend a party goes through in a day. So, also, to that point of, like, you have to consciously think whether you're going to climb down or jump down a ladder, right? I think, though, uh, it's kind of funny how much uh, Eclipse, like, knows she's actually doing okay. And she's on that, like, I'm I'm still going to be a risk taker. I'm not going to change it just because everyone else is doing bad. That's why she jumped. She's, uh, she knows she's doing well. She, you know, even though everyone else is doing bad, she's not going to like change some of her normal actions. I might be extrapolating a little bit off this question. So, extrapolating. Steve, extrapolating. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. All right. Well, this has been the zone of truth. <laughs> Y'all succeed, you're well safe. Let's go home. <laughs> All right. No, I'm kidding here. So how much of that, and maybe I'm way off base, how much of that is this is something Eclipse would do? And how much of that is Eclipse knows everybody feels like absolute dog shit, but she is half full to two thirds full her health and can show off a little bit because she can prove to other people that she's better than them, feeling better than them. None of it was of showing it. off. No, okay. no. Her thought was, well, I'm feeling better. I can take this chance by jumping down. At worst, I'll get out of there before they do. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. she's. Uh, she would be more worried about getting out of there. And if she was on stable ground, too, she knows she's better than mm-hmm. not. <laughs> so you had some negotiations with uh, chemical zombies at the end there. Interesting demands from them. What are you thinking now? You think you might might have some uh, some zombie friends at the trial helping you out? I think I think Steve actually, as Matumbe, gave a really good and and it, it made sense. It was pretty compelling why Matumbe would work for work with the undead in this situation. Uh, I thought that was really interesting for your character. Thanks Griffin. Uh, 
It's funny because actually, I, I, I honestly can't remember the user on our Discord who brought this up, but the morning of this record, uh, there were some folks talking, you know, debating between themselves Matumbe's uh, motivations here. And one of them brought up that he's not a cleric. He's not bound to a code, though he's an inquisitor and has some radical, uh, radical ideas. He's not... Uh, intrinsically tied to them. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but um, that just kind of got me thinking. And it it threw me back to very early on in this campaign when Matumbe realized that Eclipse had a ghost bird following him or her around, and he was first kind of confronted with that. Um, and the reasoning there was that it's just a bird, right? But the bird, you know, by letter of the Ferasman law, should be banished. However, it's not doing anything wrong. It's helping someone survive who could be doing X, Y, and Z to, you know, achieve balance in the world. So he hand-waved it a little bit. Now you bring that to present day where you have these chemical zombies who could be the differentiator between a creature who's entirely innocent be put to death or survive. And I guess you kind of run the equation here. Well, yeah, these zombies promise to not upset the balance between life and death. And because they don't upset the balance of life and death, they'll help preserve it by... um, by helping this creature who is in need of assistance. So it's complex and it's difficult to kind of internally rationalize myself, but I I think it makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I think especially with the, with the revelation that they're not the, the alchemical zombies aren't what they are by choice. It kind of sheds a new light onto you know, their belief that they're going to be judged because of what they've become instead of what they were. And uh, they almost become something of a sympathetic uh, character at that point. Yeah. He's but with them, man. The episodes were great. I love doing them. I am really worried about where we go. We've got a night that we got to spend up with the with the beast. Obviously, something's going to happen, right? It has to be written in the book. No, it was just um, flavor to make you guys fatigued. Cool. Just for fatigue. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> they knew ahead of time that we were going to have a character at four out of five. Lopper yeah, they wrote, they wrote in yep. the book. They were like, and this is when the Lopper attacks again. <laughs> yep. So we've got that going on. We still have another day of trial. And realistically, I don't even think that's the end of book two. Like, I'm sure we've got other shit going on after that. So we got to get them out of the city. Yeah, there's got to be some other follow up. He disappears. And book three begins. (laughs) I mean, we did start on the whole sea sausage effigy. So who knows where that'll end up? We don't know. Fuck knows. 
Well, thanks for taking the journey across these several episodes with me, guys. Um, I'm sure once we get through the end of book two and several other characters die, um, we'll talk about this again. Yeah. yeah. That being said, we got to talk about some listener questions here. People want answers from us. We should deliver them to them. How does that sound? I like it. I like it. Okay. Our first listener question comes from a good friend of ours. This is a gentleman known as Nathaniel. He also goes by Kaido. Listening to the latest Zone of Truth, that was probably a while ago, with Brooks, mentioning his sports background, it got me thinking a bit. What hobbies slash pastimes did you guys used to do to fill your time before you dove deep into TTRPGs? What hobbies did you have to give up, if any? And also, are there any hobbies that you wish you had time for nowadays? Heroin. What the fuck? What? Wow. wow. Nobody That's else? That's an eye-opener. That's so, an eye-opener. So that was a surprise for Haley, who you live with. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Weird. So Griffin's answer is hard drugs. Um, my answer is going to be... Uh, I Not that I gave this up for TTRPGs, but I just don't really have time anymore. I used to do yoga after work three times a week. And it was great. I really enjoyed it. And I'm not as flexible as I used to be anymore. So <laughs> here we are now. Oh, <laughs> uh, aren't we all? But now I actually hang out with people, so that's cool. Hey, that's I nice. I used to do that when I was a lot less socially active. All right. Well, um, I guess as Nathaniel stated, I used to do sports. Uh, so I've given up pretty much hockey and golf. Also, Columbus doesn't exactly make it easy to play hockey at any time in the year. Okay, yeah, so I'll go. Uh, Didn't know if you were done, sorry. Um, I think what I I would say, this is probably an answer for Griffin too, but uh, besides hard drugs. (laughs) Lots of hard drugs. Besides hard drugs. This den of villainy and sin. Griffin and I used to spend a lot of time playing different board games, searching out and and trying new board games, just him and I playing, or inviting people over, and that's what we'd do. Now... It feels like anytime we have the opportunity, even if it's not a regular group and we want and everyone wants to come over, we are like, all right, does anyone want to do a quick module? What about what about uh, kids on bikes? You know, like we all dive into TTRPGs instead of uh, doing a lot of the board games we used to do. Mine isn't quite as exciting of an answer. But I finished taking classes for my graduate program around the same time. We started recording and really getting into TTRPGs. So instead of doing homework and studying, I played games. And my life is so much better for it. Wow. (laughs) I redact my hard drugs answer. (laughs) I see you crossing your fingers. (laughs) No, I think uh, similar to Haley's vein, but... Haley and I also used to play a lot of co-op um, video games and we haven't had a ton of time for that. I feel like our week is very like we Monday night finish editing the episode Tuesday I take if Haley's edited it I take it I run it through a bunch of stuff put the finishing touches on it it's out 
we have to cook dinner and do work and take care of our pets. And so like then by Wednesday rolls around and it's like, all right, we got another game we're, <laughs> we're playing in. So we play in that. And then Thursday we record. And then Friday we either do like we're doing tonight and record or we uh, or we're drinking or we're doing something podcast adjacent, it feels like. So it's a, it's very I love it. I love the podcast, but it does take up a decent chunk of the free time, especially during the week. I, I still like- barbecue, though. Yeah. Every weekend. Yeah, I feel like all of our social social interactions, though, feel like they could be podcast adjacent, when in reality, it's just because we're all friends. So even though tonight, if we weren't recording, we'd probably all still be together drinking and watching shitty movies. Oh, it yeah. would feel semi-podcast adjacent because it's all of the same people. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the, the, the game plan after this is to keep drinking and watching shitty movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. there it is. <laughs> Well, this question uh, got really fucking depressing really fast. So. I, don't, I don't think of it as like, How I really that? don't think yeah. of it as giving stuff up, really. Like, again, if I really wanted to make time for board games, I would. It's just that I prefer playing TTRPGs right now. Same thing with the video games and that kind of stuff. Like, if you really wanted to do yoga, we'd shift the recording schedule. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not that restrictive. So it's there's just, something we need to talk about. Okay. <laughs> Steve's just there for the ladies, anyway. It's true. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, but what Griffin said is absolutely true. I'm joking around that it's that this got depressing, but the fact of the matter is, like, again, I the pitch I give every single person who asks me a question like this is that like we didn't like put up an ad on Craigslist to find like people to play a TTRPG with us and record it. We're friends who would be hanging out right now. Instead, we're recording a zone of truth. Whatever. We're still drinking and having a good time. Unless anybody here is had not having a good time, which we'll talk after. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's been fun. So, yeah, uh, quote unquote, we've given stuff up. But realistically, we've shifted schedules around to make something work that we're all very excited and passionate about. And I don't think that's a loss at all. I agree. All right, cool. Uh, let's get undepressing. So, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> you didn't Again, even sound you bad. You're the only one. Guys, I don't want to do this. Guys, I quit. <laughs> oh man, not fucking around. All right, so this next question comes from a user called the Wraith. Uh, this boy's name is George. If you could, in real life, as a spell-like ability once per day, cast any spell, what would it be and why, with the exception of Wish? However, before we go further, your boy, the young squire Petty Pants, hopped right on top of that and said, Wow, nice question, the Wraith. George. As a follow-up question, if everyone had that spell-like ability once per day, how do you think society would adapt slash cope with the introduction of such a thing? So, I think we somewhat answered this a while ago. I know some people's answers might change, or we might I introduced an episode of this question. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go ahead and start. So, uh, if I could, in real life, cast a spell-like ability one per day, I'm, I'm just gonna maintain what I said before. This is gonna be Waves of Ecstasy. So, uh, rounds per level, you make uh, people 
have a good time for that rounds per level. Uh, as the sexual nature. Um, if everyone had that spell-like ability once per day, I think this would be a much more loving world, and there would be uh, world peace. Oof. Four meetings would get really awkward. Has uh, emphasis on the meat. <laughs> Ew. Wow. Um. Well, I would say... So, I guess, to clarify, this question... Because we we had this question as as a group. This is everyone has this ability. Yep. Well, what would you want, and then what would the repercussions of everybody having what you want be? Well, I think heal or harm would be very two extremes of the uh, situation. We outlaw and doctors over here. <laughs> Universal yes. healthcare because everybody has heal. Brooks, yeah. you get one. Which one do you pick? Then it would probably be heal. Okay. Yeah. What does that I, mean? I, oh, uh, heal is well points per level. And by the time you have heal, it's 150 points of healing. And so, at the same time, you probably don't have to give yourself this every day, and you have the possibility of giving it to somebody else. And so I think that the world would come, come a lot closer. Heal can actually do a lot more than just hit points. It, I mean, like you would end up curing diseases. If everybody oh yeah. Had it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. There's a lot of good possibility that you would see people traveling just for that nature. Just to just to go heal somebody because somebody in a different area has like I guess like used up their used own up theirs so. yeah yeah I I still think if everybody had waves of ecstasy that would bring world peace faster than everyone could heal each other you but think I, so, I, huh? I, I, I see where your head's at <laughs> um, let's keep going around the table here so a spell like ability once per day Haley. What would you want, and what would happen to the world if everyone could do that? So I've been torn on a couple of them, but so I've been torn between uh, the control plants and wandering weather. Um, oh, yeah, that's no, these good are fucking That's great. a really fun one. All right, tell the world about them. Yeah, so uh, control plants allows you to uh, control plants. Fair. You know, so I think if everyone had that. We might have a lot more tree houses, which would be wicked cool. Oh, yeah. Because you could make tree houses out of the trees, and you don't have to build anything. Could you imagine the bridges? <laughs> yeah, right? Look, imagine how freaking cool it would be. A totally natural world. Anyways, that'd be cool as hell. Um, but the other thing is wandering weather, which if you can only use it for once a day, right? And everyone can only use it for once a day. I feel like... The cool thing about it is it's centered around you and it follows you. And so it's like, even on your shittiest day, you can still have the perfect weather follow you. And I think it would make some people's lives a little bit brighter. Because even on your worst day, you will always have whatever weather you want. Basically, you control the weather in a like radius around you. Nice. That's pretty cool. Emily. I would like to have teleport as my spell-like ability. Okay. And that's just so I could travel around, go places, visit family, could live like anywhere and 
be a really easy trip if you're going to do a weekend trip. You can go there one day, come back the next. Easy peasy. It would be better for the environment overall if everyone had it because there wouldn't be as much of a need for planes and traffic would probably get better. But but I think it would lead to a lot of crime and people would get stranded places and die because they teleport places they don't know. Oh no, I was shunted to another plane. Uh, yeah. so I would like to say you got to roll a D100 every yeah. time. And there's a One chance. in a hundred people are shunted to the shadow plane. Also, yeah. uh, so this uh, we had you, you only go one way. That's what I'm saying. It's not to commute to work. It's to travel places like I'm going to go to New York tonight and then I'm going to stay for the weekend and then Monday morning I come back. Have you ever been to New York? Yes, I have. How familiar are you with New York, the area you're trying to teleport to? What happens when two people teleport into the same square? One of them gets shunted into a wall. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of issues with this. Increase need for doctors. All right. Get shunted to a telephone. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is great. Uh, mine would be, um, well, I think Simulcarum, or however you say it, is um, is a dope spell. It's basically where you create an illusory duplicate that is similar in every way, but is half hit dice of pretty much any creature or yourself. And it's made out of snow and ice, but it has all of the abilities of the other creatures. So what I'm thinking in terms of a, cause it takes 12 hours to cast. So I think jobs shut down in this world where everybody has the ability to do this. Everybody strives to be the best ice sculptor they can possibly be to make the best simulcrum or however you say it that they possibly can. And the world devolves into a Pokemon-like state where people are summoning mon- or creating monsters and uh, they fight them against each other. The, the real benefit of this spell is, you know, I know we weren't allowed to pick Wish, but just make a genie, then you got Wish. Ah. Loopholes. Oh. Fun. <laughs> Come on, Pokemon world. Yeah. Fuck your universal healthcare. I want a world where Pokemon yeah. is real. Ooh, also clairvoyance would be cool. We get to ask your deity like uh, one question a day. Yeah. I think that's clairvoyance. I, I cast augury. Augury all day, every day. Wheeler woe. All right, guys. Let's do another question. How about this? I think this is a little bit of a team question. So let's discuss as a team. Uh, This comes from our good boy, Rusted Chrome. I'd love to know if the players in Griffin could open a bar slash tavern in Galarian. What species would the bartender be? What would the name be? And what would the theme of the establishment be? It's a lot there. And Haley is really adamant here. Chopping at the bit. Yeah. Uh, no, everyone has really nice, good answers. I already know this because we talked about this one before. But I would like to say we wouldn't just have one species as a bartender because we would be so popular we would need many bartenders. And there's my one That's statement. That's right. We're inclusive. 
up. Yeah. We, 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 need lots, yeah. we need lots of staff because we will be very popular. All right, now people can have more serious. Can we answers. have a big bar and a small bar staffed by yes, uh, a, oh, yeah. a normal size race and like a halfling or a gnome? That would the other be amazing. Yeah. Just That's to be inclusive, great. so it's easy for the small races to get a drink at the bar. It feels like it's natural to sit there. Why don't yes. we have not? Why don't we just not have a bar but have a staircase? What that is our bar, <laughs> and then what? we can have you all the way from. Gnomes <laughs> all the way up to your Matoom base. Brooks is seated on your will save. Go home. <laughs> Imagine the bar is a staircase. The yeah, you're served. No, no, you're only you're served at your your uh, your height level. And when you're too tall, you just step on the lower bar's bar. <laughs> yeah. Emily, you got? Some, I know you've got some thoughts on this. Okay. I came up with a few ideas for the theme for our hideous laughter tavern. Yes. Which was my name. <laughs> but oh, I'm, you I'm knocked open. it out of the park right <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, so my thought was the the drinks are normal drinks, but they all have. Yeah, I, I won't be making them. Uh, <sighs> They, they're all named after monsters or villains, so it can be, uh, like historic figures or monstrous beasts or whatever it is. But all of them are somewhat darker in nature. And then there's always a bard performing stand-up comedy. Yes, hundred percent of the time. The hideous wow. laughter bar. <laughs> it's, they're always really bad. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hence <laughs> the hideous. While you're enjoying like a Fowler's uh, Charlatan's Shandy or a uh, Lopper Lager or something, I don't Ooh. know. An Ed, an Ed Turner martini, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, a bloody Aridin. Yeah. Well, I definitely think uh, since we all love tequila here, definitely think tequila would be a part mm-hmm. of it. Sure. It, all right, all right. It's uh, Bloody Mary Bar for sure on Sunday mornings and and lunch slash uh, sl- brunch slash breakfast. Make a mean breakfast. Every meal smoked. Mm. We only serve smoked meats at this tavern. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. All right, guys. Let's round home and go home here. So. Buster Knuckle is asking us one final question. You guys ready for this question tonight? And I think this is the most important one. Usually you save the best for last. (laughs) I've really been enjoying saving these not game related questions at all for the very end. He says, not a game question, but I feel it fits. If you could have White Claw make a new flavor, what would you make? I want to go ahead and start with Brooks. Wow. Because he's jittering around in that seat. Man, there are so many possibilities. Um, and this one actually, <sighs> mango is almost always my go-to, and they came out with it relatively recently. And so, ooh, maybe uh, strawberry lemonade. 
oh yeah, baby, because that's my favorite Smirnoff. And if uh, if White Claw made strawberry lemonade, I think I'd just be exclusively on the claws. There you go. All right, Haley. So I don't drink White Claw. Okay. Uh, so I have no idea what any of them taste like. <laughs> Good. Uh, so I'm just gonna throw something out here. Um, you know those pear jelly beans? I like anyone yep, know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have such a super distinct flavor of of not pear. Um, yep. <laughs> at all. Yep. I think it'd be fascinating to be able to capture that in a drink. What about the popcorn jelly beans? I was also <laughs> oh, I was also thinking it'd be really good if we had the popcorn jelly bean because if it came in a pack, you guys would still probably buy the packs and have to drink it, and you'd be probably all be drunk and angry drinking buttered popcorn fucking <laughs> my claws, <laughs> and that makes me giggle. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh boy, Emily, what you got? I agree that the mango that Brooks mentioned is the ideal flavor. But if I could have them make another one, it would be peach. Oh, that's okay. Griff? White Claw is all about the sweet flavors. But I think they're forgetting an entire other spectrum of the flavor profile. Yes, which is savory. Horse? Oh, I think you need that New England. That clam chowdy White Claw. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm talking about. Ooh, can you imagine... It's a compl- hey, think about it. Think about the middle of fall. You're sitting by the fire. You're sitting by you, no you got a roaring to. fire in the fireplace. What are you turning to? Probably not a fruity mango flavor. I want something. I want a reason to celebrate the season. You know what that is? That's a savory white claw, brother. And that's going to be some chowder, maybe a little chicken noodle soup white claw. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. The options are endless because guess what? Nobody's invaded the savory seltzer space. Nobody. It's And it's, I think it's just they're missing the mark here. You got such a big demographic that likes savory. Savory claw claw. Yeah, Lobster you're, claw. You're you're right. You know, uh and honestly you beat me to the punch. So I was gonna say like maybe like a pepperoni or slimy. Ooh, pepperoni claw? Yeah. Oh man. I think that would be that would be little, pretty tight. Little spice in the white claws. Yeah. Those are monsters. I think it would be pretty sweet to get like a maybe like a you know how they have the the mixers right now where it's a couple different flavors and it's all it's all fruity stuff, right? Yeah. What if you get like a, a couple mixers right now and it's all different deli cuts? Oh boy, you got your you, you got to mix them all. So, so you, you got, got you got, so you got, you got Italian hoagie. You got you got black forest ham. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Italian hoagie. <laughs> You got the provolone cheese, provolone cheese, and then like Swiss cheese or something. So those that that's your that's your seltzer mix. So I think does it, that mean that you mix them in your mouth? Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously duh. I think, Come on, bro. Keep I think up. If they're just gonna dip their toes. They should start like moving into Bloody Mary territory. Yeah. I mean, you got V eight, V eight successful. Yep. Like you can you can do a tomato type beverage, maybe spice it a little bit. It'd be mm-hmm. fine. It's sparkling. Good luck making it clear, but no, I, I think I think we're all kind of circling around the same thing here. So so allow me to to get creative a little bit. So you have your deli pack, and then maybe there's a six pack that's like a like an Italian roll, like your bread, <laughs> your bread. So Brooks, like flavor. just like you were saying, you mix it in your mouth. You you take a slug of salami, a slug of provolone, and then maybe some Italian hoagie, uh, and that's a sandwich right there. And you're getting drunk. Yeah. 
Oh, that's exactly. What if White Claw just made alcoholic sandwiches? What if it wasn't even just, it wasn't a seltzer anymore. It was just they infused some of the alcohol in like your deli cuts. A Would sandwich, you go for that? Sandwich, like, a, like, like, a, a, like a boozy solid? Like a so, yeah, a soaked sandwich in a can. Yeah, soaked sandy. I mean, to deli meat, they already add a lot of water. So just instead of water, you add vodka. You add claws. Yeah. There we go. Don't encourage them, Emily. That's pickled in the right way. I don't think America's ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that brings me to my uh, my final point. What? Dill. What? I want a pickle-flavored White Claw. I think that's that's top of my list. I think I would try that one. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you would. I mean, I have to try it. But yeah. I, don't, I don't think it'd be uh, that bad. I think it'd be pretty good, actually. I mean, it would yeah. definitely... Mm-hmm. I mean, people drink pickleback shots. <sighs> yeah. I was I, in, in all seriousness. I was thinking maybe like a like a cooler, like a cucumber mint. Oh, cucumber mint like, would be ooh. great. Actually, oh, yeah. Yeah. that would be yeah. very. Refreshing. I would love that. That or salami. Uh, <laughs> either way. <laughs> oh man, tough choice. <laughs> tough choice. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I had a lot of fun tonight. Thanks for coming on, Griffin. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think everybody here succeeded their will save. You're the one that picks that. I have no set. You're right. Everyone here succeeded their will save. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for coming on. Um, I don't know if you guys want to say anything before we sign off, but it's about the time to sign off. So say goodbye. Good times. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. This was great. Bye, everybody. Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.